Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Scripture. I'm sorry I've had you standing for some time. First epistle of Peter, chapter number 1, and we'll begin with verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. For it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And we're going to be placing most of the scriptures that we read here tonight up on the screen, or at least I hope that I got that list of them correctly. And uh, because if not, uh, I'm going to be up here fumbling around for scriptures because I'm depending on them to get those on the screen where I can read them off of there correctly. But let's pray for the Lord to help us tonight. You want the Lord to help you to understand and to receive his word. Jesus, I'm praying, God, for your help, your guidance. I'm praying that you would instruct us tonight through your word. We know, God, that that's one of the purposes of your word is to instruct us in righteousness. And I'm praying, God, that you would help us tonight. We want to be a child of God that you're pleased with. We want to be obedient to you. We want to... Be the person that you desire us to be. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And let's give worship to the Lord right now. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing. And you may be seated. Uh, I'm going to do my very best to not make this type of lessons uh, ho-hum or Uh, boring, Uh, but having said that, you understand that there are some uh, details that we have to get to in all of this, and there is some portions of this that just have to be laid out according to the Word of God, and uh, you can't put a lot of frou-frou on it, you can't always dress everything up like you would like to, and uh, so you're going to have to be hungry. Uh, to be able to receive. And, um, you know, uh, I found in my own uh, life that when when hungry, uh, when I'm really hungry, I want something more than just popcorn and uh, cotton candy and candy bars, something like that. I, I know that that's a temporary fix. And I know that that's not really... Um, whatever, a four-square meal or whatever you want to call it, that's not, that's not going to sustain me. That's not going to give my body the nourishment that it needs. And you know, we as apostolics, we have to develop an appetite. We really do for the Word of God. And that's one thing that you have to nurture in your relationship with God is an appetite for His Word. Not an appetite. You know, preaching, if we're not careful, can become entertainment to people. And Pentecostals can become connoisseurs of preaching. 
And we, if we're not careful, we can grade preachers, you know. We've got a scale of 1 to 10. And uh, we say, well, that's, he's a good preacher, and this one, well, he's all right, or this one's not so good. And uh, or even with the same preacher, we can, we can grade his messages and say, well, that was pretty good tonight, or that was extra, extraordinarily good tonight. And uh, then maybe that's so-so or whatever. And sometimes that tends to do with what we prefer or what is our candy stick or what is our like or preference. And uh, you know what? Sometimes you, you remember uh, your mother fixing dinner and telling you to eat everything that was on your plate because she realized that you needed the vegetables with the meat. And uh, then if you ate your uh, food, all of it was there, uh, all of the well-rounded meal that was prepared, then you got to have dessert. And I'm thankful that there are times that we get to enjoy a little bit of dessert even when it comes to the Word of God. And uh, we get to rejoice around certain things, and we feel blessed uh, when we hear, hear certain things preached. Uh, but everybody relax. I, I've learned a long time ago that for people to be able to receive the Word of the Lord, they have to, they have to be able to relax to receive it and not be uptight or feel like, well, is this going to be offensive or is this going to uh, be abrasive? I, I'm not going to be abrasive in this teaching. I am going to explain some things, and uh, we're going to go through some things, but I'm not going to be abrasive. So don't everybody, you know, be drawn up during the whole time uh, that we're teaching these lessons because as I understand sheep and what I have read about them, in order for them to uh, be able to eat and graze in a pasture, they have to be relaxed. They can't be fearful that there's some predator that is around. They cannot be fearful that there's some dangerous situation that is lurking. But they have to be relaxed. They have to feel safe. And I just want to tell you that we're not here to hurt anybody. We're here to help everybody. And the things that I'm going to be presenting to you is for your good and for your protection. And so as we enter into these lessons on the subject of holiness, uh, I'm going to present a few basic questions that we're going to answer first of all. Uh, the first question is, what is the basic meaning of scriptural holiness? Number two, uh, why, why are we to be holy? Number three, uh, how are we to be holy? And then, where does holiness begin? Number four, where does holiness begin or where, <clears throat> excuse me, does holiness start? Now, this tonight is a general overview of the, of the subject of holiness. And it's just a general outline uh, to kind of give you an idea of where we're heading or the banner that we're marching under. And everyone wants me to get to the application of holiness. And maybe you even come here tonight expecting that you want me to get down to the nitty-gritty and line out the details and define and everything and and uh, you know draw the lines of demarcation and we will explain those things and we will get to that but first allow me to uh, explain the principles of holiness and where all of this comes from and where all of this is founded because we want to start with the foundation here does us no good 
to, to go beyond that and try to build beyond that if we don't have a firm foundation that we're building upon. If you don't understand why we teach and preach some of the things that we teach or why uh, the concept of holiness is even needed at all in the first place. So uh, let's start with the very first question on our list, and that is what is uh, the basic meaning of scriptural holiness? If we had to define holiness, what, what would be the definition? Holiness comes from a Greek word, and we know that uh, the... Uh, well, I'm sure that there's a Hebrew word for holiness because holiness didn't start with uh, the New Testament. But in the New Testament, it is, uh, comes from the Greek language, and uh, it is basically the word hagios. And it means sacred or pure or blameless, consecrated. And I like this one, saintly, and uh, really... When we talk about saints, that really comes from the root of sanctified. And sanctification, justification, uh, comes from God and really from Him alone. He comes and stands in our stead. But sanctification requires, of course, the help of God. But it is some things that we do in our lives. And uh, we do it through the help of the Lord, but it is some adjustments that we make. Prayers that we pray, actions that we take that sanctifies us and gets us ready uh, so that God can favor and bless and work in our lives as He intends to. Greek pagans use this word holy as meaning something set apart for the gods. And if you know anything about Greek mythology, Greek history, you know that they were people that worshipped many gods. Matter of fact, they didn't even know all the gods or the names and couldn't even tell you all the different gods and deities that they served. But for us as apostolics, it means set apart unto God. And we use the capital G because we know that there is only one God. There's only one true and living God. Amen. And aren't you thankful that you know him and have a revelation of who he is and that he has a name and his name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. So holiness describes really the essence and the character, the nature of God. When we talk about holiness or holiness unto the Lord, we're talking about one of the characteristics of God. One of the uh, basic things that describes his nature. Thus, he gives us the command, Be ye holy. Why? Because for I am holy. So he's describing who he is, what he is. His essence, his nature, his character is holiness. For I am holy. And we need to be aware of the fact that holiness is an active principle in our lives. And I think as children of God that have walked with him for some time, I want to make this applicable to you. You may think, well, I've got it all down. I've got all the, uh, the things about holiness. I've kind of got it all down pat. I've learned this. I've got it down. No, it's an active principle in our lives that we live out every day. And uh, we, we live according to uh, God's Word, of course, and the leading 
of His Spirit. And that's what regulates our lives. Because just as our lives have different phases, you're going to find yourself with new challenges at different stages of your life. Challenges that you didn't have when you were younger, you're going to have when you're older. And challenges you had when you were younger, you may not have when you get older. But at every stage of life, you are going to have challenges. Amen. And so that's why it's got to be an, holiness has to be an active principle in our life. It's not something that you just check and say, well, I got that. And I never have to go back and review it again. And I never have to go back and study it or understand it or uh, apply it to my life again. You know, there's certain temptations that you had in your youth that you don't necessarily have when you, when you get older. But I have noticed that people get a certain age. They start acting quirky. They start doing things crazy. They call it midlife crisis in some cases. You know, you got to... 55, 60-year-old man, all of a sudden, you know, he wants, uh, he wants some kind of a hot rod. And, uh, and he wants to go out and, and uh, I don't know anybody think I'm getting personal here. But I'm just talking, amen? I'm just giving this as a good example. But suddenly, you know, uh, he, he, wants to, he wants to race at every stoplight. He, he's gunning his engine and he's getting loud pipes and, and uh, you know, he just uh, something. That I know I know guys that you know uh, they they suddenly they they want to uh, go out and get a a new Corvette or something like that. And uh, you know what they need at at that age with a Corvette. I mean they can't you can't haul over one person a pa- one passenger with you. And uh, whatever, but I mean, if you're giving a Corvette away, I'll take one. So anyway, um, I'm just I'm just saying that you know different things happen in people's lives, and uh, things take place. I don't know uh, what the physical aspects of all of that is, and our bodies changing. What what causes that all to happen? But I do know that there's no fool like an old fool, my pastor told me one time. So at every point of your life, and what I'm trying to express to you tonight, is don't think, as a young person, I'm going to grow up to be a certain age, and the devil's going to leave me alone. And I'm never going to have a problem again. And I'm never going to have a situation where I'm tempted again. That's foolish to think that way. You're going to have to have the Holy Ghost to regulate you until you either go to the grave or you go up to meet him in the air when he comes for his church. Can you say praise the Lord? And so I think it's, it's, it's very imperative that we understand that it's an active principle in our lives that we daily live. Holiness governs our body. It governs our spirit, our attitude, our thought life. Uh, every part of our lives should be, uh, is impacted one way or another by uh, this principle or concept of holiness if we're truly walking with God. Because when you're truly trying to walk with God and be holy, what you're doing is is you're saying, God, I want to be like you, and I don't want to do anything that displeases you, and so I'm striving every day 
to be what you would have me to be. Every day when my feet hit the floor, I need the help of the Holy Ghost to direct me and lead me and help me to be Christ-like or to be like him in that day. Let's go back to our text uh, here, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. Man, I caught him unawares. First Peter chapter number 1, verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former. This is before conversion. You were just doing whatever the flesh wanted to do. Former lust in your ignorance. You didn't know any better. You, didn't, you weren't aware of certain things. But now... You have the Holy Ghost, and judgment has started at the house of God. Let me just tell you something. When you come to the revelation of truth, the Bible said it will lead you and guide you. The spirit of truth, when it comes, it will lead you and guide you into all truth. That tells me that you've got to be submitted to follow the Spirit. You've got to be willing, in other words, to be led of the Spirit. If you're obstinate, you cannot grow in God. If you're self-willed, you cannot mature in God. If you are rebellious, which would be the extreme, and I hope that nobody has that attitude. I can't really figure why you would be here if you were just out and out rebellious against the Word of God. Then, then uh, you know, there's probably not a lot of hope that you're going to grow in the Lord. But, there is such a thing as ignorance, and ignorance here is not like we sometimes term it as being dumb or uh, not intelligent, but this means you're just not aware, you didn't know, and you were just doing whatever felt good, whatever the flesh uh, wanted to do. But suddenly you came to God and the truth was preached and you've received knowledge from the Word of God. You've been convicted, you've been drawn by His Spirit and God's dealing with you and so now you're seeking to be obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Next verse. But as he which hath called you is holy, he's the one that called us. Amen. He's the one that dealt with us. We couldn't be here today had he not drawn us by his spirit, had he not made him self available to us and dealt with our hearts and and, and called us, and I'm thankful that uh, this is to whomsoever he calls, as many as the Lord our God shall call, the Bible says. So he says, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. We're going to get to that in later lessons about holiness as it pertains to our conversation. Next verse says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So I wanted to break that down and explain that verse just a little bit. Before conversion, you were fashioned or you were shaped or you were just uh, going with the flow, being conformed to this world. The mold that this world or the system that this world has was what was shaping in your life, how this world thinks. But when you become a child of God, you no longer just go with the flow. When you become a child of God, the Word of God is, and the Spirit of God directs you and is the guiding principle of your life. No longer 
is, is trends and no longer is what the world says is okay and what is defined by the world as is being hip or popular or whatever. No longer you fashion by those things, but suddenly you realize, I'm trying to please God. I'm not just out here trying to appease the appetites of my flesh any longer. I'm trying to please God. Our nation, our nation has different laws that regulate certain things. Um, we enjoy certain freedoms, but the reason why those freedoms are so special is because there are laws that regulate in certain areas that give us those freedoms. Let me explain. You, you enjoy certain liberties and certain freedoms for living in America, and we enjoy the freedoms that we have and the protections from, that we have from, from uh, well, uh, you know, communism and other theories and philosophies of government. We don't have them in this nation. I'm thankful for that. And we don't have tyranny, uh, certainly not to the degree of other nations of this world. And I'm thankful for that. But the reason why those things, those freedoms are able to be enjoyed is because we have a nation that is structured and founded upon certain principles and laws uh, that is, it, govern, it is governed by. You know, there are certain things that are written down in the Constitution that establishes guidelines for the structure of government and the powers of it. We have certain things that are called separation of powers where one man cannot become a dictator, where one person cannot rule over and, and uh, take and exercise too much authority in your life as a, as a king or a dictator in the country. And then to break it on down, even there's laws that we, we want to be able as, as citizens of this nation to go when we want to go and have the freedom to go out and, and enjoy some of the things we enjoy. And, and the, way that w the reason why we're able to do that is because there's laws that protect us from folks that are uh, maybe they're ill in their intent and they would try to, to harm or they would try. And I know that there's people that break those laws but if we didn't have those laws to govern us, our freedoms would not nearly be as much as they are. And we wouldn't have the freedoms that we have. We wouldn't feel the liberty. And if you've ever visited other nations of the world, you know what I'm talking about. You understand because you always, in other nations, and, and I feel like it's starting to happen here, you always have to be super aware of your surroundings and what's going on at all times because you never know. I mean, I've seen people in Israel, uh, when, they, when they eat, they back up against the wall and they're always looking like this. They look like a, uh, you know, like a, almost like an animal that is eating its food, looking like a deer that's eating the corn, you know. I'm looking around, where's the hunter at now? And, and that's the way it is. It seems like uh, in overseas, but because we have had people that have fought for the principles that this nation is founded upon, we enjoy certain freedoms, and uh, because those certain freedoms, they even go down into the um, areas of business. There are certain regulations where you can't just take advantage of people, and and you cannot do certain things that would harm uh, people. Uh, financially and otherwise, 
there's regulations. There's regulations on taking advantage of folks and uh, certain things, disclosures that has to be made. You, you know, in industries, they can't just, you know, dump whatever that they want, toxic waste, into streams where, where people's getting their drinking water. They can't do that. And, and there's other kinds of regula- regulatory things and regulations that are there. Now, we understand there's tax codes and there's federal regulations and there's state reg- regulations. And this is all in an effort to manage greed and white-collar crime and extortion and uh, all of those types of things. We didn't have a regulator when we was walking in this world after the flesh. But when we got the Holy Ghost, we got a spiritual regulator or governor that is put upon us. Amen? Now, does that mean that you're incapable of going out here and sinning and doing whatever that you want? No, that's not what it means. But it means that something's going to check you. Something's going to, to uh, you're going you're gonna to feel conviction. You're going to feel uh, your conscience talking back to you. You're going to feel the Spirit of God being grieved. If you're endeavoring to, to walk in the Spirit, you're going to feel those things pulling you back from the things of the world. Even with all these regulations we have in our nation, there are some people that are crafty enough that they, they find loopholes and uh, more legislation has to be passed and More laws have to be created. And so let's go to Romans chapter 8. And we'll probably be referring to Romans chapter 8 several times because this is one of my favorite passages, especially as a pastor. It's been a a passage that I have really referred to a whole, whole lot. Romans chapter 8 and verses 1 through 4. We like this one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. How do you get in Christ Jesus? Well, you're baptized into the kingdom of God by his name, being water baptized in Jesus' name. You take on Christ. And then you receive his spirit, the spirit of Christ. Can you say amen? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Meaning that somebody says, well, you've got a regulator now. You're not free. You're bound up. You Go back to that scripture. You're bound up. You're not, that's not what this scripture says. It says that I am free through... Jesus Christ and having his spirit, I'm free from the law of sin and death. In other words, when I walk with God and live for God and I have this Holy Ghost regulator on me and governor on me, the spirit of God living on the inside of me that does not allow me to go and do certain things and participate in certain things and act certain ways and treat people in certain ways, Go back to that verse of Scripture. That means that, that, uh, that as long as I keep His Spirit on the inside of me and do not grieve His Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God and walk, I, I'm living in freedom. I'm living in liberty. You know, don't let the world twist this up and make you think 
that because we live this life, we're bound. It's kind of like the guy that's in prison says, you know what? I'm free. I don't have to mow my lawn. I don't have to get up in the morning and go to work. I'm free. I don't, uh, you know what? I don't have to cook. They cook for me here. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to make my bed. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do my own laundry or whatever they don't have to do. But that's not the kind of freedom that we're after, right? You're still in incarceration. Amen. Makes me want to, or reminds me of a friend who was preaching in a prison one time. And uh, some of them were kind of heckling him behind the cell there. He was, I think it was actually like a jail, a county jail. And he was preaching. They were crossed through the bars there. And he was preaching to them. And they kept on talking about this and how that uh, you, you guys are always preaching all these uh, rules and restrictions and regulations and, and we don't have to do all that. And he said, well, okay, okay, I understand. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I, I got to go. I wish I could stay. They used to let me stay in these places, but they don't let me stay anymore. And he said, my wife has a warm meal that's going to be ready for me at 5 o'clock, and so I'm just going to have to leave you here. I hate to leave you. I wish I could have you to come, but, oh, yeah, you're, you're free. You can't go because you're so free. Well, that's how ridiculous it seems when the world, when the world uh, looks at us and and says, "Well, you're you're bound." Yeah, you know, uh, there's some restrictions that I guess I don't uh, boundaries that I don't have to to cross. I don't have to cross the boundary into living in a life. Uh, uh, in, in a situation of being under the dread and the fear of repercussions from my sins that I've committed. In other words, I don't have to look over my shoulder. Uh, when's the law going to arrest me? When are they going to come find me? they got a, a warrant out for my arrest because of some of my sinful actions. I don't have to worry uh, about being addicted to something and not having control over my faculties. I don't have to worry about some venereal disease that I've contracted because of some sinful lifestyle that I've lived. Guess, I guess you could say there is some things that I don't get to experience, but I'd rather live on this side of the boundary than on that side of the boundary. Praise the Lord. Amen. So don't let the world distort it. And then on down in verse for the law of the Spirit, I'd rather live by the law of the Spirit than the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now, when it comes to the law of the Old Testament, and we're thinking in terms of the law of the Old Testament now, we realize it was a schoolmaster. It was a pattern. It was showing us things to come. Some people grossly misinterpret the age and the time that we're living in now, the time of grace, and say, well, that means that all the law is just embolished. You don't have to follow any of the principles of the law. That's all uh, done away with. No, that's not what it's saying. God is uh, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh. Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
Let's uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3. Do we begin again to condemn ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of condemnation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are epistles written... Ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles, our epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. In other words, the idea that God had is I'm going to take this law that was without and I'm going to put it on the inside. I'm going to take this relationship that I've had with man and I'm going to make it more intimate. I'm going to make it closer. And I'm going to draw near to man. I was austere. I was distant. I was, uh, in many ways, untouchable. But I didn't want that relationship with man to continue in that way. The whole idea here is for me to draw closer and, and uh, to, to have a relationship where man can approach me and my nature could be within him through my spirit and it could be written. The laws and, and the things, the nature that I have could be written on his heart. And this is actually what Ezekiel is talking about in Ezekiel chapter number 11. This is what he's prophesying about. Chapter number 11, verse 19. And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. That they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them that they shall be my people, and I will be their God. In other words... The only way that they're really going to be able, and he's talking about a remnant, that there's people that have walked away from God, they've done all kinds of evil and corrupt things, and that's the setting of this scripture. And he said, but there's going to be some folks that are going to endeavor to live for me. And he's looking ahead, and he's saying, there's going to be a people that are going to walk in my statues and keep my ordinance and do them, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. And the way they're going to do this is I am going to be on the inside of them. Amen. And that's the only way that you can do it. Because you cannot just get you a rule list, get you a, a checklist, and, and learn how to go down that and check those things off. Uh, because in the flesh, you're not going to be strong enough to abide by that. But if you got the Spirit of God... It becomes a part of you. The nature of God becomes a part of you. And you begin to try to emulate and imitate what God wants you to be and live as He wants you to live. Can you say praise the Lord? When you receive the Holy Ghost, you get a regulator. You get a governor within. This is why we must have the Holy Ghost. This is why I preach the necessity of the Holy Ghost. Now, there's been a little discussion of late, even in some Pentecostal circles, uh, uh, about whether or not you absolutely have to be 
filled with the Holy Ghost in order to be saved. I can't even believe that's a debate. I can't even believe it's a question. I'm going to tell you, you have to have the Holy Ghost. You have to have the Spirit of Christ to be considered one of His is what the Bible says. And then you've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. You've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say full. And that's why renewing is so important. You know, when people start drifting away from holiness principles and holiness lifestyle, most of the time it's because they're not staying full of the Holy Ghost. Because again, this is the heart and the root of the matter. This is where, and I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm going to talk about this and I'm not near going to get finished tonight talking about this. But this is where it starts. This is where it begins, is in the heart. And it begins with you receiving the Holy Ghost and being willing to be led by the Holy Ghost. And so our flesh, you know, it's corruptible. It's, it's corruptible more than just physically. But the Bible tells me that in my flesh there is no good thing. My flesh is enmity. Against the spirit. And so it's kind of like these two competing things that are going on. It's like the old Eskimo that had, uh, he had two, two dogs that he liked to take to the fights on Friday night. And uh, he'd even let them fight against one another. And there was, you know, of course, in dog fights, I guess they gamble. And he always seemed to put his money on the dog that was going to win. They said, you know, it's not like one wins all the time. It's like one week this dog will win, and you happen to be able to put your money on that one. And then, and then you come the next week, and this one over here, it wins. And, and, and you know, what's the deal? What they're, they're, you know, usually one would be uh, the dominant and the one that would win all the time, but you seem to never lose. And it's not ever consistent. One week, one wins. Next week, the other one wins. What's the deal? He said, well, the one I feed that week always wins. And that's the way it is living for God. If you feed the flesh, it's going to win. If you feed the spirit man, he's going to win. But you've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. You've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. That's why... It's so important that we have church and that when we have church that we be tapped into church. Amen. That's why I encourage everybody to come up around the altar. That's why I encourage everybody to be involved in the worship service. That's why I encourage everybody to pray and to get a hold of God when it's time to do so. And then I'm going to tell you something else that will nurture your spirit and encourage you is for you to get involved in ministering to other people. I've told you this before. My dad received the Holy Ghost praying for someone else to receive the Holy Ghost. He had been seeking the Holy Ghost, I think, for about six months. And finally he said, you know what, God, I'm just going to pray for this man to get the Holy Ghost. And while he was praying for that man, and he got in the, the spirit of it, and he got to praying, and, and uh, got, I guess, his mind off of himself, and, and relaxed a little bit, and yielded to God in that atmosphere of worship and all of that, he received the Holy Ghost and, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. When you can minister to someone else, God will add strength to you. 
Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand with me? We're not going to get much further than that tonight. But I'm going to go down through these four questions as a basis for what we're talking about, and hopefully I'll move a little quicker. But I want you to know where we're coming from when we talk about holiness, when we, when we speak of the concept of holiness and God's idea of holiness. We're, we're not talking about some kind of elusive thing out here. We're not talking about something that man came up with. But this is God that came up with the idea of holiness. This is a God-founded idea. I didn't come up with it. I didn't get the definition of it. And for all of you that want me to start drawing a clothesline and start now, you just hang with me. I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. Amen. I'm coming down your pew. Praise the Lord. But I'm not going to do it offensively, and I'm not going to do it with a, with a sledgehammer in one hand. Uh, in a Bible in the other. I'm not, that doesn't how I work. And uh, so uh, if that's how you need it, I'm sure there's some place you can find it. But you're not going to find that here because we're trying to teach people the ways of God. Praise the Lord. And so to understand how to please God, I've got to know something about his nature, and that's what we're talking about tonight. This is God's idea. Everybody say it's God's idea for me to live holy. Praise the Lord. And if I want to please God, i got to be holy. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands to him.